Good to see everybody. Thanks for your prayers this morning. I'll be sharing in the main meeting and really uh, ask for your prayers that um, what I'm feeling can be articulated. You know, it's always, I always feel that sense of weakness, you know, before you speak, which I think is a good thing, you know, because um, we have to, we live dependent, completely dependent on the Spirit of God within to speak. And that's when He can speak, and I just pray that He'll speak. Um, so I appreciate your prayers and your encouragement, and um, I think it's going to be a very special time this morning here and there. I think uh, there's some, some thoughts that I just hope I can articulate what I'm feeling. It's, it's really kind of like when I first saw the finished work of Christ, I had been a believer for about 10 years. I became a believer in 1976, and about 1986, 85, 86 is when I pretty much burned out trying to be a good Christian and trying to do all the things. And with that mixture of law and grace, just basically a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump, and eventually you just come to a screeching halt and wonder, you know, where's God? And why can't I do this? Seems like everybody else is doing it. And, you know, all those thoughts we have, I'm feeling unworthy and waking up in the morning with this hazy sense of condemnation because you're not doing enough for God and all that stuff. And that's when the Spirit of God just really broke through in my life and, and, um, and whispered this word to me, mystery. Said, and the Spirit said, look at what Paul was referring to as the mystery of Christ. So that word is very dear to me because that's where it began for me. The Spirit saying, read what Paul referred to as the mystery of Christ. And of course, I'd never heard a message on the mystery at all. Zero. And then I went back in the scriptures, and sure enough, Paul refers to the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the gospel and the mystery here and the, mystery, the, the hidden secret that was hidden in God and not revealed to the sons of men until Christ came. All these things that I'd never heard preached on. And that's where it began for me, the Spirit taking me to show me the awesome work of the Son and how this hidden thing, this hidden secret, as Jesus said, I will open my mouth and I will speak parables. I will speak things that have been hidden since the foundation of the world. New things that Moses did not know, that Elijah did not know, that the prophets did not know. You see, a new thing. The Christ came and brought a new thing that could not have been preached until he came. And what I was hearing was pretty much what Moses could have preached and Elijah and all the prophets. But I didn't hear anything new. I didn't hear anything different from what was preached under Moses and the law and so forth. But when the Spirit showed me this new and awesome, incredible thing, then it all made sense. It all began to fall together. It all began to make sense. And then you realize why people who preach law are so against this secret. Because they don't see it. See? That's why Paul was was plagued by the Judaizers. That's why his Jewish brothers wanted to kill him. Because this, this secret, this revelation of Christ, is, is totally opposed to the thinking of law. The law is not of faith. Grace is of faith. You're not under law, but under grace. See, the law is a letter of death. The new covenant brings the spirit of life. I mean, total opposites, total opposites. And so when, you, when all this began to unravel, um, you know, then I began to really see, and it was just amazing, 
That was my first time I ever spoke publicly about this mystery was in 1985. I still have the old cassette that's all faded, you know, but uh, first time in Baton Rouge, I spoke publicly to a church. And I remember I, I couldn't articulate. That's why I'm saying this, because I'm praying that what I'm able to say out there, I'll be able to articulate it. But I couldn't articulate what God was exploding inside of me because it wasn't something learned by men. It wasn't something that man taught me. So I had the outline and it was, it was, it started in the spirit and it was coming out. It was renewing my mind to the reality of Christ. And so I remember in that church in Baton Rouge, I was like trying to communicate what was exploding inside of me. And I was talking about the mystery of Christ. And I was like, you know, all passionate about this. And people were in the audience were doing this. They were going like, you know, like, oh, okay, what, 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 what is the mystery? What? What is the mystery? What? And I'm like all over the place, you know, trying to communicate. There's this big cross on the wall behind me at the church. And we're like, don't you see it? You know, it's like, it was terrible. It's like that, that cassette is ridiculous because you got, but you know what's so cool about it? It was spirit. And though their minds didn't understand, I didn't even understand how to communicate it. They were like, oh my God, that was awesome. I don't know what you said. But I felt my spirit leap, you know, all this, you know. So anyway, I I feel like, I kind of feel like that this morning for something new that I want to share. I don't know if I can articulate it, but I'm telling you, it's huge. It's huge. And, um, yes, yes. And may I have utterance by the Spirit of God. May I have utterance by the Spirit of God to communicate because it's just, it just gets better and better. This is 1985. I mean, under law and grace, you burn out in 10 years. But the truth gets better and better and better and better and richer and richer because it doesn't change. There's not like a... A, a new fad you have to learn or some new trend or something, you know, that you missed or whatever. It's all Christ who is all in all. And what happens is he gets us bigger, 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 bigger. The simplicity of Christ, the singleness of Christ, Jesus himself, all things. He is the bread. He is the life. He is the water. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He is all, all, all. This gets bigger and bigger. And where we come in is where God has placed us inside of him. And him inside of us. Awesome. Lord, we just pray that we would really be able to hear heavenly things that are not of man, not of religion, not of this world. Father, thank you for opening our eyes. No man knows you but the Son. And the Son reveals you to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the Spirit that shows us Christ. 
and shows us all the things that belong to Jesus and now to us because we are in you and you are in us. Father, thank you for these awesome things. Who can talk about these things, Father? Indescribable gift. Indescribable gift. From the foundation of the world, a lamb slain, a grace to be revealed, a heaven to be given to all who would believe. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, as the star announced his birth in the heavens, may the Holy Spirit from above enlighten the word as written in the scriptures that we might have light Open our minds, Lord, that we might understand the scriptures and see your son. Behold, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Papa. Amen. I was reading the scriptures um, where in the Gospels where uh, Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish and fed 5,000. Awesome miracle. You know, just if you think about that, just place yourself there. You know, they've been with him all day and they're tired and they're hungry. And the disciples say, you know, they need to, we need to send them away, Master. They're, they're, they're hungry. And, and Jesus said, you, you don't need to send them away. I'm here, is what he was saying. And he said, what, what do we have? And they had some fish and some loaves. He said, bring them to me. And he took them and he lifted them up to heaven and, and blessed them. And he thanked the Father for what they had. And he multiplied the fish and the loaves. And I know we talked about this before, but the, the way that happened in the scriptures is not how Hollywood has done, has portrayed it. But it, it's actually what he did was he was sitting down. He had the, the masses sit in groups and then he sat down and the 12 apostles would come to him and he would give them the bread and the fish to take to the people. So the, the apostles were constantly coming back and forth to him. He was breaking it. The miracle took place in his hands. They only had what he gave them. They had to go back to him for more. He didn't give them a basketful and then say, you're on your own. It was a complete dependence on him. Going back to him, going back to him, 
never ran out. And he would constantly break the bread and give as Thomas came and John and Peter fish. And, he, and eventually all of them were filled up from one source. Apostles coming and going like this through the crowds to the Christ. See that? Awesome. And then Jesus said, go and gather all that is left over. And they had 12 baskets at one time. One time it was seven baskets. This was 12 baskets full left over, one for each apostle to teach them just how bountiful he is and how powerful he is. Each one had their own basket. And then they got in the boat with their baskets, you know, and the next scene is when they're, they face a storm and they're about to sink in the storm. And of course, Jesus is up in the mountain praying and then he comes in the fourth watch of the night, which is at 3 a.m., the fourth watch. First watch being at 6 p.m., second watch 9 p.m., third watch midnight, fourth watch is 3 a.m. So, you know, 3 a.m. is a odd time because, you know, it's like everybody's in a deep sleep and things, bad things usually happen, you know, seems like at 3 a.m. because, you know, the hurricanes always hit at night. Why is that? <laughs> there's always a hurricane at night. But it seems like there's always something at 3 a.m., you know, there's tragedy. There's like, you know, some kind of problem. And sure enough, they're about to die out there at 3 a.m. trying to get control of the ship. Jesus comes walking on the water to them. And they, it scared them to death. They thought it was a ghost, a spirit. And they cried out. And Jesus immediately said, don't be afraid. It is I. It's me. And then Peter, oh, then Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come, walking on the water. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter began to walk on the water toward Jesus in the midst of the storm. And then he saw the, the rain and the, the storm. And the scripture says he feared and, and began to sink. It was a s- slow sinking. It wasn't immediate. It was a slow sinking. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus, the scripture says, immediately reached out his hand immediately and said, why did you doubt? And then he walked with Peter back to the ship. And when they got inside the ship, the wind ceased. And that's when they said, truly, you are God's son. Blew them away. And what's interesting about this is that the very next part of the scripture, the very next sentence, very next sentence after all this, after this amazing miracle of the loaves and the fishes and the awesome stilling of the storm and walking on water and all this otherworldly stuff, this heavenly reality stuff on earth. The very next thing in Scripture is the Pharisees complaining to Jesus that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. What do you say to that? That's legalism. That's blind legalism. They're so concerned with washing their hands before they eat, which is one of the things in the law that, you know, that they... That's how different 
these two worlds are. Spirit and flesh, law and grace. It's so different. It's so different. Jesus said, um, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of the leaven of the, le- of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He said that in the context of this, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And the disciples, who were also kind of slow getting this, they said, what, we don't have enough bread? Because he, he mentioned leaven. So he, they just thought, Do we, we didn't bring enough bread. And, and Jesus said, are you so dull of hearing how many, you know, how many loaves did we have and fish do we have for that, that crowd? And they said, well, just two and three fish or whatever it was. And he said, and how many baskets do we have left over? Well, we had 12. He goes, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about something else. When I say the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And you look in the context, what, what Jesus is talking about is the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, show us a sign. Show us a sign that we might believe. And, what, and Jesus said, a sinful and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. And no sign shall be given it, except for the sign of Jonah. Now what he means there, I believe, saints, is that the Pharisees were all about appearances. All about the scene. Show me a sign. They were all about, legalism is all about what, what, how people appear and, and how we appear to other people. It's all about the visible. It's all about the seen world. It's show me a sign. I want to see something. Show me something. And I'll believe. Jesus, Jesus said that, that tendency is evil. It's of the flesh to, um, to seek to understand God by the visible Something, show me something, show me something. And no son shall be given that, that generation except the son of Jonah. Now, the son of Jonah, some people say, is that he was in the well three days. And that's the sign of Jesus who was raised from the dead three days later. But that's not, I don't believe what he's talking about. Because the sign to the unbeliever, the Pharisee who says, show me a sign, they're not going to believe in the resurrection anyway. Because they have to see it. You see? So even though Jonah is an awesome book and a picture of the resurrection, three days, so forth, but the sign of Jonah that Jesus is talking about here is not his resurrection, but something else. Because the whole book of Jonah, the theme of the whole book of Jonah is that God was going to reach out to the Gentiles in mercy. And Jonah refused to bring that message to the the Ninevites to the Gentiles because they, they hated the Gentiles. The Gentiles persecuted the Jew. So he ran from God. Of course, the whole story. And then God brought Jonah back and he brought him to Nineveh. And God had mercy on Nineveh. The whole story of Jonah is about mercy to what the Jews call dogs. So what is the sign of Jonah to the Pharisee? Is that the Gentile world is going to receive your Messiah. You'll see it with your eyes. You'll see the Gentiles come into the kingdom. You'll see the Gentiles believe in a Jewish Messiah. And your own people will reject me, your own Messiah. I think that's what he's talking about. 
The sign of Jonah is a sign of mercy to the Gentiles, to the world that the Jew could not stomach that. No way God's going to show mercy to those dogs, those evil people that don't have the law and, the, and don't know Moses and so forth. That's the, that's the Pharisees' mentality. So the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, really has to do with a focus on the visible. It leavens the whole, it leavens the whole lump of, of unseen reality. Paul says, consider not the things that you see. Look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Because if we live from within... By the Spirit. Who are the sons of God? But they who are led by the Spirit of God within. If we are led by the Spirit of God, we will see unseen realities by revelation. We will know the thoughts of God by the Spirit of God. We will see as God sees. We will see the world as God sees the world. And that's how He wants us to live. And in, in, that, in that way, revelation increases. And the leaven of the kingdom multiplies in us and we can see more and more of the unseen truths and even in creation itself begins to speak to us as the scripture says the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things that have been made or created so now the spirit will open our eyes to what a tree means what a seed means what a flower means what a fruit means what the sunrise means what the moon means what the what the dirt means what a butterfly means what a when a caterpillar I, I just heard this on the on the cable the other day it was awesome where uh, a caterpillar when it's turned into a butterfly, it actually, when it goes into its cocoon, that it's really, it's, it's, it's really, truly an entirely new creature as a butterfly. What happens in the cocoon is that the, the, uh, the physical uh, DNA of the, of the caterpillar, the, the physical pieces of the caterpillar dissolve. They dissolve. It becomes this uh, muck, this, this a liquid. It becomes a liquid. It totally dissolves. And there's in the DNA that God created from that uh, solution that now is just liquid, God then reorders the creature to where it has a new head, new legs, and beautiful wings. So that when the butterfly emerges from this, this gunk, it's entirely a new creation. Isn't that awesome? And, and, and of course, this wasn't even a, a Christian station or anything. This was a scientist who was demonstrating this awesome miracle of the butterfly, how it actually transforms itself uh, into a whole new creature. The Spirit of God in us will teach us these heavenly realities by looking at creation, creation itself speaks of God and his signature is on everything. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. Consider, we read that as a nice little Bible story, you know, Sunday school. Consider the, No, God is saying something very powerful. He's saying, consider the flowers, how God made them. Flowers that some men will never see. In fields and mountains that man will never see, the flower will grow and bloom and die, and man will never see it, but God will. Consider the beauty of the purple iris. 
consider the beauty of the rose. Consider the daffodils and the sunflower. Consider you who are worried about what clothes to put on. Your heavenly Father clothes the flowers with beautiful, not even Solomon. And all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Powerful Holy Spirit. What does that do? Oh my God, my Father cares for me. Would he care less for me than he would a flower? Jesus was saying, consider the birds of the air. You who worried about making a living and all these things that you're troubled about. Birds neither sow nor reap, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. You are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, it's almost a joke. It's like he's almost making fun of him in a way. It's like, oh, you have little faith. See? Next time you see a little bird and you're eating at a restaurant outside and a little bird comes and tries to get a little crumb, think of the Father's care. You know, not one sparrow falls without the Father's knowledge. I love that. What my brother shared years ago, he said, God is at every funeral, every little sparrow's funeral. Not one sparrow falls that God doesn't know. Man may not be there, but God is there. Not one sparrow falls and dies that the Father doesn't know about. What is Jesus saying? Even the hairs on our head, God knows the number. And that, for me, changes every day. Every time I shampoo, God's got to count again. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying he's so intimately and he's so aware of us. You know, one of the, I think I shared this, one of the big things with praying under grace as opposed to praying under law. What the Spirit showed me as a foundation for understanding prayer under grace is that God sees me. Just that revelation. Just ponder that. He sees me right now. He sees me. I saw you, Nathaniel, under the fig tree. He sees me. Because prayer under law is all about trying to either get him to see me or me trying to get to see him. But prayer under grace starts not with me trying to do anything, but it's a revelation of he sees me. And he doesn't see me like, you know, like he's looking for me to mess up, you know. No, he sees me. He yearns. He yearns. He's like, he's like a, a, a bridegroom just got married and his wife is sleeping. His bride is sleeping. And he's, he woke early to just look at her sleeping. Can't wait for her to wake up. He yearns. He sees us. He yearns for us to glance at him. Song of Solomon. Your glances make my heart beat faster. Your glances to God makes God's heart beat faster. Awesome. God seeks a bride. That's how the book ends. That's how it all ends. Behold, I show you the Lamb's wife. Coming down from heaven, 
where you, are, you and I are now, seated with, with him, having the glory of God. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that are all about the scene. God, who is spirit, seeks to show us himself by the spirit. And then there is a manifestation of that reality, of course, in our lives, because God is really into bringing the invisible into the visible. But we don't start with the visible, we start with the invisible, not the the cart before the horse. So I just want to encourage all of us to let the Spirit open our eyes to the creation around us and let it speak. The book of Job says, speak to the earth and it will teach thee. Book of Revelation says that uh, the dragon, you know, had his, opened his mouth and tried to move from his mouth. A flood came out to, to move the woman, you, the bride, from her place of rest. The dragon's mouth that speaks of words, words, lies, mixture of truth and lie, mixture to move her from her place. And the scripture says, but it doesn't say the woman took up a weapon and tried to fight it. It doesn't say the woman um, ran away. It doesn't say, no, the woman rest, continued to rest and something very unusual happened. The scripture says the earth opened her mouth and swallowed the flood. The earth is the Bible that every person reads. Creation itself will open its mouth and reveal the revelation of Christ. The Spirit of God will reveal to us what's hidden in all that has been created. And it will bolster our faith in the invisible. For we know that which is seen has been made, Hebrews says, by that which does not appear. That we might know this invisible God. The earth, I love that, opened her mouth and swallowed up the lies of the dragon. That the woman would remain at rest. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see invisible things. Guard us, Father, I pray, from the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Help us rest and enjoy you. Thank you, Father, for pursuing us. You sent the Son to heal the broken heart. You sent the Son to heal the broken heart. To set the captives free. To open the eyes of the blind.
Thank you, Father. Splendid. Splendor. Magnificent. Light from light. Amen.